Hey, it's Ben. This week, I'm going to announce, first off, we're getting close to the end of the first series of Heroes of the Hydean Way. Don't worry, it's not done yet. But the thing that we're announcing is if you send a question in to heroes at thehydeanway.com, you can set up questions for us to answer on the Heroes of the Hydean Way for the discussion episode. Ask questions, get them in early, you've got some time. As we get closer, we're going to have some announcements on Heroes. And I'm also going to remind you that you help out the show a huge amount if you tweet or retweet about the shows. Like Tweets and retweets are what matter. Liking is great, but tweets and retweets are Twitter's bread. Liking the show on Facebook and sharing about the show on Facebook, responding to the comments, all that stuff is so, so useful. And leaving reviews on Stitcher and iTunes also helps out a huge, a huge amount. And if you want to help out financially, which we are ever, ever grateful for, you can, if you are able to, at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Thank you, and now on to the show. As the klaxons blare overhead, I rush onto the command deck of the Imperial-controlled Pelta-class frigate adjusting my disguise one last time before I make my announcement. <clears throat> All hands to the escape pods. We need to evacuate immediately. The, uh, uh, core reactor? Yes, the core reactor is about to blow. Shaking my head as I twist a detonator, a shudder flows through the ship as charges explode around the engine room. The careful destruction convincing the crew to escape this soon-to-be wreck. Welcome to the character-building tale from the Hydean Way, where your host Ben Yendel and Becca Black character building and specifically in in this moment character studying it's kind of an interesting hurdle for a lot of players that that i've encountered we shouldn't expect it but people don't intrinsically know how to make a well-balanced character on paper people might be able to make an interesting character concept but in assigning numbers to that it gets a little bit complicated and that's how one of my players ended up a bruiser with one brawn. Because despite my reminders that you can only spend XP on characteristics at character creation, she spent all of her XP on skills and talents instead. <laughs> For the one thing I've got to ask is, what specialization did she go for? She went for smuggler scoundrel. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, it was an odd choice, honestly. Because if you're going for a bruiser character, it makes more sense to go, like, bounty hunter, hired gun. Okay, yeah, I could definitely go with those. But it also... She picked a Twi'lek, and Twi'leks are naturally very squishy. They start with one brawn. And they don't start with that many wounds to begin with, either. I'm pretty sure that you can absolutely use the, the mechanics to make it work. But you definitely can't make it work without spending that XP to up your characteristics. She would need at least a three. Well, it, she, you could probably get away with a two. But you you would need a three to be a truly brawny character. At least to start with, yes. But statting up characters has proven to be an interesting dilemma. In being a GM, my first step as GM, besides coming up with a story concept, was to read the entirety of the character creation chapter and get myself familiar with it so that 
when my players made characters, I could help them with it with a certain degree of competency. So I've basically made it so that when I need to make a character sheet, whether it's for a character that I'm going to play or an NPC, I can just do it with minimal struggle. Like, I know how to do it (laughs) from the ground up. I've noticed across player groups, my group has made all of their character sheets from scratch, but my Lucky Sevens group, which was our all-clone game, and my group called Paramore, which is currently running, we're like sort of a scoundrel crew. My other game groups, they rely a lot on Ogdude's character sheet generator, and I can't even wrap my head around it. It makes more sense to me to build the character sheet from the ground up than it does to rely on the generator. I absolutely get that. Can I have three tangents that I want to propose? Okay. If we get to any beyond the first, that would be awesome. Otherwise, these are like show topics. One is stats tell their own story. The second one is I got a question of, hey, I'm one of those people who apparently is rare that I'm, I'm exactly like you. I can take a look at a species, a specialization, just sort of jumble it together and come up with a duty, obligation, morality, or whatever, and a motivation. Essentially come up with a full-out character, 20 minutes, half hour tops. Yeah. It's kind of going back to the ancient school idea of doing the arithmetic without the calculator. Getting to the, the basics behind it are so natural to you that the mechanics behind it are sort of natural to it. Yeah, yeah. It's not so much how the specializations play out. It's all in the stats, like what you're saying. If you want someone who's going to be running around punching people, you want a brawny person. I don't care if they're a martial artist, a marauder, or a medic or a mechanic that is going to just turn around and haul off on someone. You want brawn. Yeah, like, there's something to be said about earning ranks, and, like, that's fine. You can rank up in the things, but you're always going to be better off if you have a higher skill to begin with. It's kind of like the difference between talent and skill. Not in the game terms, because obviously skills and talents are different things in Edge of the Empire and, and Force of Destiny and so on, but particularly after The Force Awakens came out, I saw this discussion a lot on Tumblr where people were vying for Finn to be a Jedi. And the argument came up that the difference between Finn and Rey both being Jedi would be that Rey has the raw talent, whereas Finn could simply just train to be a Jedi. And so that's like talent versus skill, the sorcerer versus the wizard, in a way. I absolutely get that. Like, There's most certainly some of that with it. And when you have the two working in concert, that's when amazing things happen. Yeah, that's when you have the most bang for your buck, is when you have both the raw talent and the, the training behind it. The way that you're using raw talent, I would almost go with an ability to take it back to the mechanics level of it. The raw talent that someone has is the just pure ease of it is going to be the ability. Someone who's got a quick head for numbers or a quick head for useless trivia, that's someone who has a higher intellect. Yeah. Someone who's a lot more charming, um, obviously presence. Like, the odds are going to be better if you have two greens and a yellow and one rank in the thing, rather than 
one yellow with your one rank and one characteristic attribute number. Though there is sort of the flip side of it, at least I've definitely heard this from some players, is the difference between having an ability of three and one rank in the skill and having one ability and three ranks in the skill is minimal. And I can get those ranks a lot easier. That is true. But it does take more time, depending on how much XP you're gaining every session, it takes more time to get to rank three. If you haven't just, I guess, since you can't get ranks above rank two, you can't do that at characterations. Unless you're a Corellian pilot, the jerks. (laughs) Corellians. It does take more time to get up to that level, depending on how much XP you get and what you're prioritizing. Because it's great if you're prioritizing that one skill, you've trained it up to a rank two, and you wait until you have the, what is it, 15 or 20 XP to get to rank three. Depending on whether it's a class skill or not. You're right. You wait until you have that much XP and you spend it on that, if that's what you're prioritizing. But if you're playing, and it turns out that you use another skill more often, then suddenly that skill that you trained up to rank 2 at character creation isn't as important. Last episode I talked about a Ithorian, that player of mine. Uh, this time I'm going to talk about a Assyrian that among, apparently, previous hosts of Tales is mildly, shall we say, infamous because, well, they were horrible. <laughs> it was a Assyrian Shadow. Force and Destiny core book, essentially rogue type. I really liked it because you did a lot with deception. And it was sort of the deception rogue instead of the actual stealth rogue. And I really liked that idea. The problem was, is in the initial build of it, I didn't buy up the agility on the Sarian at all. And Mm -hmm. the way the GM went was entirely where that character had to be stealthy. Right. Like, the situations that that character got put in were stealth-based. Stealth or mechanics, because, well, Sarian, and that was a pocket mechanic, because we didn't actually have one in the group, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> you have someone who needs to be stealthy, and I was with the experience, I was going dead set on that a dedication, but dedication's like 75 XP down the line. Mm-hmm. At least. And on Shadow, I'm pretty sure it's further. That's a lot of XP to be burning through just to get the dedication to get your character concept where you need it to be. Yeah, that it really is. Eventually, the GM took pity on me and allowed me to rebuild it. <laughs> I had a two agility. Wow. That's still absolutely horrible at stealthing. Yeah. Still tossed into a lot of stealthing situations. and <laughs> That could be a lesson for GM to the character and not to the idea. But, yeah, you know, things you learn. Yeah. You mentioned building up to the character concept, and I think that sort of ties in with that tangent that you brought up earlier, whereas stats tell a story of their own, which makes me think of, I was building a character for a game where we were all supposed to be playing for sensitive characters at the beginning of our training. The thing is that we weren't younglings, and we weren't Padawans or anything. This was in the Age of the Empire. So it was it was after the fall of the Republic and everything, and after any sort of support system for Jedi had been established. So each of our characters had their own separate background that we had to consider in building our characters. The temptation was there to 
build the character with the future in mind. Like, what is this character going to be like after they've trained with their force powers? But ultimately, what we had to do instead was build backwards based on their life history. Like, my character, for example, was kind of in denial about being Force-sensitive, but she had been acting as a bounty hunter and a swoop bike racer before then. So she was built using Edge of the Empire rather than Force and Destiny. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was just sort of accepted that she would be taking the Force Emergent or Force Sensitive Exile talent tree later on. That makes sense to me. That makes a huge amount of sense to me. So I think that it is important for players to think about like what would make sense given a character's background, what skills they would have and what they should buy with their XP, almost instead of buying what they think would be useful in the campaign. I guess it's one of those things if it all depends on how long you plan on inhabiting the character. If it's for a ongoing campaign that could be going on for months and months and months at a time, I look at it from you have to have to have an eye to the past. And you should have an eye to the future. Personally, I've gone through two different mindsets about ability scores. One is the semi-specialist of have your super specialist ability at a four, Like, that's the thing that your character is going to be great at. Then make sure that the character has a three, and then everything else is at twos. Right. It's the sort of min-maxing thing. Yeah, with making the min not so painful and the max pretty awesome, to be honest. Like, having a four in something is a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. And it's kind of worth that initial 40 XP. Yeah. I'm coming at this from, like, 20 years at doing role-playing games, so and I've played with min-maxers most of my time. So I know most of the tricks to min-max things, mm-hmm. but the beautiful part about this version of Star Wars, you don't have to. Yeah. That's the thing that's kept me here this long, is you don't have to be a min-maxer. You just have to have a good concept to start with, and you don't have to plot out the entire character. It's what you said. Start with a character where it is. Is that character going to be the bruiser? Then have the character be the bruiser. And go with a bit of brawn. On the other hand, here's the thing. I can still can see a point where you have a one brawn Twi'lek bruiser that works. Even without spending any starting experience on stats. It's a little bit more difficult, but it's eminently doable. Yeah, for sure. It's in how you play the character. If I was doing that, I would be a lot more of a comedic type character. (laughs) I'd be a lot more comedic because I would be playing it being this big, strong bruiser and just not being able to do anything with it. Yeah. That being said, I would also be looking towards specializations like the performer or enforcer, making it so that my primary combat skill isn't brawn. Yeah, if I try and punch someone, I'm more likely to break my hand than their face. (laughs) If they try and punch me, they can't. Like, the performer's amazing for it. Being this showy, almost saber rake, and being able to dance away from anything that they do, and being able to taunt people into just being so annoyed with you that they have to try and punch you. Yeah, that's a good good one. Like, the statistics for the ability scores change how you're going to be playing. Due to my nature, I generally try and play a high int character. I will try and go with a four intelligence, 
mechanic because, well, I am a, such a mechanic-y type person. <laughs> so I try and go for characters that are like that. I'm going for, like, the demolitionist. I'm going for the mechanic, the medic. Actually, I really like the medic Wookiee. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a min-maxers cliche, but it is so fun. <laughs> the medic Wookiee that offshoots into martial artist. Oh, that's good. It's such a groaner when you look at it from a min-max point of view, but it is such a fun style. The cut doctor at the edge of the ring that just finally had enough of patching people up and they just start wanting to lay people out. Yeah. And because they're the medic, they actually know how to punch someone out without hurting them. And they do strain damage through armor instead of doing wounds. That's a really good concept. That's pure min-max. The medic at the 15 experience level on the right-hand side has a talent that I'm pretty sure that if you do damage to someone, you're allowed to flip it over. Or if you hit someone, you're allowed to flip doing the damage over to doing strain damage, ignoring armor. Mm -hmm. Like, There's a reason why that talent is on the Nemesis creation rules and suggestions in Force and Destiny as one of the ultimate ones of, yeah, you can punch, you have to punch punch, you can't use gauntlets or anything like that. And if you do, you're essentially doing like a pressure point attack. Nice. So they take strain directly to their strain. So when you're fighting Jedi, that is just, that is just devastating. That's a really good idea. I'll have to give my big bet that... <laughs> <laughs> you're going up against Jedi. Oh, it is brutal. <laughs> Anyone who's strain constrained, it is a brutal one to use. Yeah. That's the mechanical reason behind the Wookiee Doctor yeah. proliferation of Edge of the Empire. Because Wookiee, you get the three brawn to start with. You get the free rank in Brawl. If you take the Medic, then I think Brawl is... No, Brawl isn't a class skill, but you then do get the two in medicine and, oh yeah, and you get anatomy lessons right after you get the strain damage one. So your ranks yeah. in medicine then immediately go to your attack damage. That's real good. That's smart. Smart. That is min-maxing. I've been thinking about this for a few minutes. I feel like character creation for droids kind of, it, it almost forces your hand into min-maxing? Yes. Almost. Because droids all start with ones across the board. I generally have the <laughs> kind of unfortunate habit of making jacks of all trades in that I spread out my skill range so far that it's basically that my characters are mediocre at everything. <laughs> I mean, if you have a droid character, it kind of forces you to almost pick one thing. Because they also start with, I think, I think they only start with 100, or do they start with 175 XP? They start with 175 XP. If you do it, I'm pretty sure that you can still do the 4-3-4-2s, and, and still have some left over. But. Just on the face of things, to me it seemed a little bit unbalanced, because it seems like a droid character then wouldn't be able to have as much to utilize from the get-go than an organic player. Droids have always sort of looked at as once you get your head around character creation, droids are great. Until you get your head around character creation, droids are brutal. Your first couple of attempts at droids are just brutal because, yeah, you've got 175 experience. 
and all these ones. Well, you can put anything up to a five easy. That's 140 experience. Okay, well, now I've got 35 for doing something else with. Well, I guess I've got another one that's a two. Yeah. On the other hand, I got a five. So whatever I'm doing a five in is amazing. Everything else is horrible. <laughs> and I still got to get that 75 minimum experience to get to the next rank of dedication. Which if I've min-max this much, that ability is probably going to a six. But yeah, otherwise you're like a load lifter. Yeah. And the experience justification for it is you do get that extra three skills. Like from the career, you get two skills extra. And from the specialization, you get an extra skill. In some ways, they're sort of skill monkeys. If you can align it so that your attributes are aligned, it's great. I guess it does make sense that the that the droids would be more skill-based than characteristically based. If you want to look at it that way, droids are programmed with skills. And because of that, that would be where their skill ranks come from. Their abilities are in what their chassis provides. Yeah. You've got the vibro brain of a C-series protocol droid that does six or seven million languages, depending on which area you're in. You've got R2 or any sort of astromech that's really good at mechanics because you've got all these analysis tools making them intelligent, but they're clunky as all get out. And to be honest, the trash can that they look like probably is a bit more robust. Yeah. They've all got their own speciality by their chassis. So yeah, it kind of does make sense. <laughs> but then to make a character for that. The droid character that keeps on getting brought up by a lot of my players is they want to play a droid that doesn't remember that it's a droid or thinks that it's a person. Mm -hmm. And okay, that's kind of cool, though. Okay, yeah, we've all seen like Bicentennial Man or AI or just Pinocchio. Right. That's kind of cool. But if I'm taking a species, I'm going to play as that species. I'm going to be playing as that trope. Like, if I'm playing as a droid, I'm, I might do the Pinocchio type thing, or I might do the resentful of all these organics. The kill all humans. <laughs> Maybe not even to the HK-47 point of view, because that actually would be kind of funny as well. I haven't met anyone yet who actually can pull off the HK-47 thing, but a lot of people try. <laughs> or the triple zero or bt they're interesting ideas but it's essentially embracing the droid and the position droids are in star wars society and then exploring that yeah i guess that's one of the things i've really liked about brent in here's of the hydean way he's playing a t-series tactical droid and um two of the other players are treating him like a droid one of them is treating him like a friend or as a puppy mm -hmm. depends on which way she's going <laughs> On the other hand, they just got this R4 <laughs> droid that's much more like a puppy that, yeah. <laughs> but this is the supremely depressed tactical droid that's lost the war, that's realized that the war is lost, and now they're in company with these rebels. Well, what are they going to do? Uh, I guess we're going to go off and do this stuff, but sort of another day. Mm -hmm. Just another day in this T-Series tactical droid's life. That just isn't going to end because no one's going to deactivate him. Right. He places this most immensely depressed droid. I absolutely get the Hitchhiker's Guide from the Galaxy 5 from him. At least that's what he's going for. Yeah, the yeah, Marvin. Marvin. Yes. <laughs> that's delightful. I think the last droid character that I played was programmed to pretend to not be a droid. <laughs> okay. The, the way that we set up that game, 
For I think I'm going to try and get the gang back together and GM <laughs> the next session, even though I wasn't the GM the first time. Um, but the start of that game, my friend Adrian had us all come up with a secret that our characters had. Okay. And we all went on a heist job together, and over the course of the job, our secrets were more or less revealed. And so it was, it was my character, who was a droid that was built to sort of resemble a cyborg Togruta, an actual Togruta, and a Jawa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was a very interesting team. <laughs> My character was programmed by the Togruta that built her to impersonate her creator, to sort of allay suspicion that her creator had died. Oh, that's kind of cool. And she had been programmed to keep up the facade until a certain point when she would have to report to a certain location and uncover some kind of secret, I don't know, <laughs> secret thing, like an artifact or tech or something like that. I haven't actually worked that part out. But it was interesting to go into this with not my character being the one thinking that it wasn't a droid, but everyone else thinking that I wasn't a droid. <laughs> That is kind of nice, yeah. Because then as soon as somebody whips out an ion grenade, I was like, uh, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I really like some of the, like, droid concepts out there that are more droidy. Like, I love that idea of the sort of hidden droid idea, but... Yeah, there definitely aren't enough droid main characters in Star Wars that we have currently, because they're... They are kind of treated as second-class citizens. The best ones that we have currently are sort of AP5, Chopper, and K2SO. Yeah. And, yeah, all of them are secondary characters at best. Even taking a concept that I had heard of that is the Battle Droid Commander, like a B-1 Battle Droid cap that had somehow survived the Clone Wars, has sur somehow survived being, tr like, not turned into a security droid. Mm -hmm not being decommissioned, and it started to wonder about the meaning of being a droid. Essentially, it's become a philosopher, like probably being a droid researcher, but with their stats initially set up for being more of a combat person, like having a three agility, three presence, and whatever's left over going into intelligence. Mm -hmm. Their combat skills have degraded because they're no longer at like a four, but they can definitely figure out things. <laughs> That's a really cool concept, too. The way that the entire species is designed around the droid, it really begs for specialization. Like that hyper-specialization of going for that four, focusing your character on a set of skills, and becoming very good at that set of skills, whether you're Liam Neeson or not. <laughs> Speaking of skills, and moving on from characteristics versus skills... At character creation, do you tend more towards loading up on skills, or do you go more for filling out your talent tree? Which do you find is most important for players? It depends on how long I'm with that character. Like, for a one-shot, I'll go with a couple of threes from my abilities. I'll max out the skill as high as I can go, whether it's a two or a three, depending on which level I'm playing at. Mm -hmm. get my skills there so that I'm rolling the dice. 
I start looking at the talent tree, anything under that 15 experience line, and I start looking at, okay, what makes this character feel like this character? Is there a 15 XP talent that makes this character feel more like what my character concept is? Mm -hmm. Like, bad motivator. I think that's actually a 20, but if I was taking a mechanic, I'd be beelining straight for bad motivator. Right. If I'm taking a Politico, I'm going either for Scathing Tirade or the Presence one, which I forget off the top of my head. If I'm going for an Assassin, I'm going for True Aim, and then just finding every single True Aim I can. Sort of going back to your initial idea, finding what this character concept is from like where this character is starting out in this adventure and mm-hmm. tripling down on it. If this is going to be a character that is able to shoot a blaster rifle well, then, well, I need those two yellows, and I want that green on top of it. If I get a second green, that's awesome. But once I have that, straight into those talents, making whatever I'm doing easier. If I'm a pod, I'm going for the skilled jockeys. That way I can fly the tugs. Mm-hmm. Like, I can make the freighters dance. I go for the easy and quick things that make the character feel like the character. Like, even if I'm taking a slicer, I am diving as quickly as I can to that branch point at the 20 experience point. Right, right. Even if I'm taking an infiltrator, I try and get as far down in that single snake of a, a talent tree, which I have issues with. <laughs> I try and get sort of my skills to a minimum of, okay, this is going to show off okay, my attributes are going to be okay, and then go for it. If I know I'm going to be sitting in this character for a while, and we're going to be doing like a one session get to know your character where you get sort of an extra 10 experience, I'll take that into account. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, like you said at the beginning, my character is at the end of character creation. That's how my character is showing up onto the ship. Yeah, yeah. They may have grand plans, but yeah, that's how they show up. Yeah, I find that at character creation, I always tend more towards skills. And then I sort of remember after the fact that talents are a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that this is probably one of the things that has sort of lent itself to me learning my way around character creation in a way and getting a grasp on that sort of mental arithmetic aspect that you mentioned earlier is because I'll I'll stat up the character with all the skills that I want them to have and then I'll look at the talent tree and then I'll realize, oh, I want that. (laughs) Oh, I'm looking at the skip tracer on the bounty hunter career path and skip tracer has... Good cop. All right. It has bought information, and my character is definitely the kind of person who would be able to buy information. And so that's, I think, a, a 15 or 20 tier skill. I'm like, okay, well, now I have to go back through my skills. I have to reverse engineer this. I have to take some skills away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and have to do the mental math to figure out, okay, so which ones of these did I actually spend experience on? And how much XP can I free up to get to that tier of the talent tree? <laughs> it's a tedious and unfortunate thing, but it also helps in a way. Because once you get your mind around how to do it, then it kind of teaches you more in the character creation. Absolutely. Way. For me, it's kind of going for the character concept. And I know that at least at character creation, I depend so heavily on the career and specialization skills. I will... Go through, it's like, 
if I'm wanting someone who is good at negotiation, I will make sure that the career and the specialization gets me those two free negotiations. Then I don't have to worry about spending experience on it. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I'm probably getting talents that are based around it. Right. Like, I try and cut down on my skill XP in the first little while spending on it. I absolutely get that there's so many amazing skills, and then having ranks in those skills really, really helps. Yeah. For me, it's always sort of juggled between do I get the skills or do I get the talents? Depending on the specialization you're going with, some of the talents are just so evocative to what their end concepts are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Though apparently I would be out of luck if I was going for true aim in Assassin. <laughs> apparently there isn't any, but... <laughs> I think the one that I'm most excited to get to is the uh, in Skip Tracer, which is my most recent character, is all the way at the bottom of the tier. <laughs> <laughs> it was Reconstruct the Scene, which allows you to make a roll and then see the physical attributes of people at the scene of the crime, basically. That one's pretty nice. That one's pretty nice indeed. Although some talents I found, I'm not really sure. Some talents, they their main thing is removing setback die. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, for somebody who rarely adds setback die to rolls, it kind of makes the talent moot. Yeah, that does kind of feel like a bit of a waste, but in some ways that's sort of a GM style thing, but it's because of those talents that I now go out of my way to figure out a reason why they have that setback. Yeah, I think that's something that I need to work on implementing, is just like adding setback die to, to certain things. One of the things that I do with that is putting the characters under pressure. Well, there's all this blaster fire going on around you, and you're trying to make this mechanics check. Or you're trying to do this mechanics check before someone gets back to see that you're stealing their land speeder. Yeah. Things along that line. You're trying to talk this person into giving you their land speeder when they need it to get to their job tomorrow. Right, yeah. Well, okay, that really should be like two or three upgrades, but yeah, you know. (laughs) Also with a few setbacks in there, because you're only willing to pay him a little bit. Yeah. You kind of get the idea. There's one specialization that I really like for the attributes really tell a tale for this character. Mm-hmm. And it is the heavy. And I know, the heavy, oh look, this is the character that looks around the big guns. They're Rambo, they're Roadblock, they're three quarters of Arnie's takings. <laughs> That's... Kind of what the heavy is. Right. Zarya? Yes, Zarya. That's a heavy. <laughs> they look around this giant weapon and then shoot it. On the other hand, you can make an effective heavy off of a three-brawn character. Yeah. Because they have talents that go for it. But would you initially think that you could get away with having a three-brawn heavy? And the reason why you'd need the brawn, just for our listeners, is these big weapons require you to be able to lift up a high encumbrance weapon so that you can actually lift it and move it around. They also will have this attribute called cumbersome. If you have cumbersome beyond your brawn, it increases your check. If it has a cumbersome rating of five and you have three brawn, well, shooting at short range, you're still rolling against three purples instead of one. But then you get two ranks in Burley, which is only, I say only, only 40 experience in. Only 40. (laughs) 40 experience is all in all pretty low. And with that, you also get a 
single rank in barrage, you get a rank in brace, the two ranks in burly. Yeah. You're doing a pretty hefty hit. And that's at the bottom of the heavy talent tree. That's without going into anything else and getting into the truly amazing things that the heavy can do. When you fully get into the heavy tree, they essentially turn into these slowly walking turrets that just rain death. Like, you can get to a point where they're very easy to use. So you can have this relatively seemingly weak-looking character, at least average-looking character, and be able to use these pretty massive weapons. Or you just wouldn't think of it. You can get by with a character concept with being average, is I guess what I'm saying. So, your character's attitude, your character's look, make it to what you want to be, but do keep in mind what your character is supposed to be able to do at the start. Yeah. Do you have any final words for our listeners, since that really are mine? My final words to our listeners is the thing that I remind my players of every time they have to create a character, which is don't forget about the characteristics. <laughs> I think it's been pretty well covered. It's really important to reconcile the the stat dis- distribution with your character concept. I feel like the instinct or tendency at character creation, if you're somebody like me who makes characters a lot, and not just on paper, but for stories and comics and whatnot, but the, the instinct is to plan ahead and think about what the character will be and while that's valuable in its own right it's more important at character creation to think about what they are and what they have been with my bug wing perched on my shoulder i look at the forward viewport yes becca this will do now that the bug wing's in for a major refit i think we'll call it this the purgle a fitting name if there ever was one i guess I tilt back my admiral's cap and double-check the sensors to be sure there are no more Imperials on board. I guess we'll find out what their cargo was on the next Tale from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at Shadowblinder without an E. And you can find me at Deuterium Ice. We're all at theHydeanWay.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, where you can find more episodes and help us out by reading and reviewing us. Drop us a holocom at talesattheheideanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash theheideanway.